All right, welcome back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek Bonner, joined once again by Kyle Newbeck. We, it's, it does feel like it's here. It's a very distinct change in the schedule. We had media day today. Some of the Sixers had media day. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> we had to be in front of people who are not PHLY staffers, that's which true. has been a change from our past few weeks. I mean, then again, we're in front of a lot of people almost every day, but that's, that's virtually. I guess that's true. We're about to head out to Colorado. It was great to see a whole bunch. It's almost like you get reunions at this time of year with players and whatnot, including some with like Danny Green, who's been gone for a little while. But we are going to spend most of today's podcast probably talking about the guy who wasn't here. <laughs> but before we get into that, how you doing, Kyle? I'm hanging in, Derek. You know, as much as you and I are maybe cynical about the whole Harden thing. I'm not cynical. Not I'm ever. always happy-go-lucky. No, I was going to say, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Sunshine and Rainbows over there. Yeah, look, I, it was good to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a while, people within the organization, players. It's a new coaching staff, too, so it's yep. you know this is all going to be a getting-to-know-you period. So that part of it is fun. And then you show up, and prior to any interviews being done, the text went out, obviously, to all the most connected reporters in the NBA. 20 that, minutes before we're going to talk to Daryl. You just <laughs> got to get that out there a few minutes before we're all going to hear it anyway. Yeah. And now here's what I would say. The, the news breaks that James Harden is not showing up. And it was like a here we go again type of moment. But I think if James Harden's goal is to get out of Philadelphia, He's that, making that this was a miscalculation, that based on where the market is right now, and Daryl has indicated that with what he said, they're not trading him for what's being offered out there. Woj, as part of his reporting this morning, said you know, there's little traction between the Clippers and Sixers in trade talks right now, and that's, you know, that's where Harden wants to go. It's the only team that we know that he has any interest yep. in playing for right now. And for James to not either show up and you know, put on a good face and, and try to go through this or go to the microphone and, you know, take a blowtorch to the organization. I don't think he really accomplished anything or there's no progress being made toward his goal of getting out of Philadelphia. Now, I don't know if that's just me, but that was what I took away. Is like, I thought if you're looking at it from his perspective, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. You know, he, he, he tweeted, not tweeted, he posted on Instagram that he, earlier this summer, like way back in July, might even be June, that he's been comfortable for so long, it's time to get uncomfortable. This was the path of least resistance. Like maybe it would have been more uncomfortable. I felt pretty comfortable. You know, yeah. I mean, short sleeves and, and jeans. And in all honesty, like, okay, Daryl, I thought at times felt a little uncomfortable. I think that's mostly because he was talking about how this guy that he was friends for so long, that kind of deteriorated. I thought that was maybe when he was the most uncomfortable. But outside of that, like I thought everyone else was pretty comfortable talking about the guy who's not here. It helps that for many of them, this isn't their first rodeo. Like, they've been through this before. But him showing up, and maybe it would have made, been uncomfortable for James having to go up and talk to reporters, probably even more so talk to his teammates. But I agree with you. If his ultimate goal was to go scor scorched earth, I don't think he did that here. And outside of passive-aggressive stuff like holding up a sign at a party, really hasn't been a whole lot on that front here in quite a while. And I think it's painted Daryl Morey into a pretty good spot where he can just say, all right, We'll wait until the trade develops, and that might cause Harden to react. We'll see what happens if and when that does happen. But I think we came in today, and we got a pretty good um, you know, indication that he's not here. I don't think anybody really expects him. You know, Daryl Morey left open the possibility. I don't think anybody expects him to show up in Colorado, and we'll see where we go from here. Yeah, to me, the only way forward for him, unless he is going to you know, put on a brave face and come back and swallow his pride to some degree, <laughs> is he has to come in and actively sabotage things, yeah. right? Like him just being at home, not making money and you know, violating clauses in the CBA and things of that nature. I know that he doesn't have multiple years on his contract like Ben Simmons did, but this entire organization has already shown we're okay strong-arming a guy in this spot if it, we believe it's to our best interest. Now, when they believed it was in their best interest to wait and wait and wait until the trade deadline, they ended up with this very player <laughs> that we're talking about right now. And it's still suboptimal, right? You would love to hire a new coach, 
it's a vibe shift to a certain degree. And Derek, you and I spent some time individually talking to Nick Nurse today that I thought he gave us some good insight on, you know, how he's going to set up and his vision for the team. But it is difficult for a new coach coming in to have to inherit this team that now one of the foundational pieces is just like off in the yeah. wilderness somewhere. somewhere. And it's one thing to be like a foundational wing, but to be your point guard, to be the only real plus playmaker on the team, it certainly does change how you're going to play. On both sides of the ball, by the way, because he's a completely hard defender, so you can do a little more on that side. But in terms of you know changing up your offense, it's a huge change. I'm sure he's been preparing for this day since June 29th when you know Harden opted in and demanded a trade. So he's had some time to prepare for it. Uh, but certainly this is a, you know, it is a massive change to your team. Yeah, and <laughs> that's actually Alex brings up in the comments, Kelly Oubre called the Sixers a well-oiled machine and essentially talked up the idea of, you know, I've been with losing organizations yes. and these guys always win. And so it is interesting hearing it from an outsider's perspective. Certainly it's like, I'm I mean, not going to say... Compared to Charlotte, he's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to compare it to getting out of prison or anything, but it is like sort of similar to Andy Dufresne yeah. and Shawshank climbing out of that pipe. And he's in the rain with his hands held to the sky. Like I am no longer a member of the Hornets <laughs> who apparently are sponsored by fellow YouTuber, Mr. Beast, obviously same level of uh, clout that we have Derek or aspire to one day, but yeah, it's just, it's a weird situation. I think the only the only semi-weird part of today is what you're talking about with that interpersonal Daryl and James dynamic because that was – they came together for nearly a decade and they came as close as anybody did to knocking off the, the full-strength KD Warriors. Yep. You would think those bonds are really deep. And one of the biggest takeaways today was that they simply have not spoken – since the yeah. trade request happened. And, and Maury said it was at the at Harden's urging he wanted all communication to go through his representation. Yes. Which I don't think is completely, you know, unheard of in things like this. But for two people who were previously so close, or allegedly so close, uh, you hoped, again, it just sort of like goes back to everything where you hope that their past history would prevent this and it hasn't prevented that breakdown in communication. One, it also speaks to, look, if you were someone who had a little bit of optimism that, okay, Dame goes to Milwaukee, Drew goes to the Celtics, and there are all these big changes, and there are not a lot of suitors out there, maybe that puts some steam behind Harden to say, I got to figure something else out, and I got to come back to the organization for a little bit and give this a little bit of time. But for those two to have not spoken essentially in months says – this is not close to being resolved on an interpersonal level. And if those two don't solve their problems, it doesn't really matter, it seems, what the rest of the team thinks, right? Because we're going to get to the rest of these guys. I think everybody else is essentially walking a company line, right? They're yep. saying, look, we support James going after or trying to do what he feels is best for himself and his career. They all understand they have... I know James has made, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, but they all understand their careers only go so long and James is going to look out for himself and they support him in that way. But none of them were like, oh, yeah, they're like down on their knees begging and yeah. crying like he's got to come back. These guys want him back and open their arms up to him, said if he comes back and hopefully when he comes back, we'll take him and he'll be a huge part of our team. But their approach is very similar to what we heard when Ben was holding out a couple years ago. And that is to say, it's business as usual. We're going to go to Colorado. We're going to start training camp. And the guys who are there, they're going to start building a rotation and trying to, you know, bring in nurses, new principles, yep. basically. And Joel even said, you know, you know, we went through this two years ago. My stance is sort of the same. James is a really good player. We'd love to have him on the team. If he's here, great. We'd love to have him. If not, we've still got a job to do. So it's pretty much the exact stance that he took two years ago. This one, I think, is a little different. Any references? There weren't really reports. You know, back then, two years ago, there were reports that Embiid was at, there was, like, friction between Embiid and Simmons, and that was part of what, you know, was causing Simmons to want out. This time, there's no such reports. And frankly, Simmons and the head coach, too. This was, sure. like, the guys who are on the floor and making the yep. active game day decisions versus... 
frankly, it would have been a lot easier in this situation to, to compartmentalize it, right? And say, well, fuck Daryl, but I'll, I'll go to bat and I'll go to war with you guys because I don't have a problem with you. Yep. And I was sort of coming into today thinking, well, maybe James or maybe James will show up or maybe his teammates will come out and say, Daryl, you got to make this right. Or right. You know, the organization has let James down or whatever it is. And instead, they left the door open, but none of them are actively pulling this guy in. They're saying this is on him and it's his and Daryl's responsibility to figure this out. And look, I give them a lot of credit for being in lockstep on that. I think that's probably a in a bad situation, it's as good a start as they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it really, you know, Danny's joking. Danny was joking afterward that he's gone through like three or four of them. So he's, he's learned what to do here. <laughs> Everyone has, and I mean, clearly like he went through it with Kawhi in both San Antonio and, he and Toronto. Kawhi to Toronto. He went with Kawhi to Toronto. Yep. Uh, he went through it with Simmons. Uh, going through it now. So everyone here is sort of, I think they've learned from two years ago. It's a little bit different, but a lot the same, especially as you want to message it in the early going here. You know, I think where everyone's going to go is probably Joel Embiid because he's the one that really matters. What did you think of, uh, of Embiid's reaction to everything? Honestly, I wasn't even really focused on how he responded to Harden. To me, the big question was the tweet that he sent on, what was it, Sunday? Yeah. Where he threw a LMAO up at the offseason that had gone by, Dame going to Milwaukee, Drew and Kristaps Porzingis going to Boston. And, again, I keep having to say no disrespect, but they brought in Pat Bev and Oubre and Mo Bamba, and it's like, well, what the hell are we doing here, guys? But – to his credit, he came out and said, as long as I'm healthy, as long as I'm on the floor, well, I think we have a chance to win. He did also clarify the tweet. Uh, yeah, well, that <laughs> that explanation was the biggest load of bullshit that he said all day. So he is he, being slightly more diplomatic than we've seen yeah, him be yeah. in the past. He basically tried to say, like, man, I saw I saw fans. I saw Heat fans getting mad on Twitter. I saw Bucks fans getting happy. Then I saw Boston fans getting happy. This is all fun. That's what I meant. Of course, yeah. But I had fun. I got Joel married. Embiid, the I, master of yeah. fun. Or that's, yeah. As uh, our pal Bill Matt says, the, he's the director of fun and games yeah, for the, the Philadelphia yeah. 76ers, I guess. I don't I don't know what the, the hell is going through his mind there. But According to him, A-plus summer. Yeah. I, I do think that he showed a level of maturity and leadership that they needed from him today. Because, look, the rest of these guys, there's a lot of players on one-year deals, expiring contracts, guys who are – they know they have to show up and do well, the right things. Some of the people on one-year contracts know that they have yeah. to show up. Yeah, They have to do the right things, say the right things, and that all has bearing on what does next year's deal look like if, if they get a deal next year. Joel could have come in with a flamethrower and yep. he's still going to be making max dollars and be the face of the franchise and what have you. So we all know, everyone watching this, listening to this later, knows that when Joel wants to take a blowtorch to something, he doesn't really think twice or hesitate. So I thought it was really important for him to set the tone. He was the first player we spoke to today and he was about as professional as he could possibly be. I thought that was a, a good start. Yeah, I agree. So before we get to the rest of our day down at Camden, got to tell you about our friends, DraftKings Sportsbook. Things are heating up at the ballpark. Every team's playing to finish the season strong, make it to the playoffs. As everybody watching this probably knows, Phillies wild card series this week, some 8 o'clock games that our colleagues are upset. They're not a little earlier, but, you know, me, I love a, a late night game, so I'm happy about that. And with DraftKings, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game for your shot and a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age drags by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Man, they threw me for a loop with a new link there at the end. I had to think about it after reading the same disclaimer two and a half weeks in a row, I think. Um, So let's stick with Embiid for a second. You know, other than the, the James angle, which he essentially gave the same talk that he gave at the start of the Ben saga, not at the end where, you know, posted some funny memes and took it to Ben a little bit, but. Well, remember, he only saw a guy with a good suit and wanted to post it on Twitter so the world could see. Yeah, that's as believable as his tweet (laughs) explanation today. (laughs) So other than the hardened stuff, I guess, what was your big takeaway from what you heard Joel say today? He honestly, and, and look, I always say, like, you never know when the final nail will, like, like, like where the tipping point will be. But he, I truly did get the impression that he's not a guy who's, like, ready to bail. Yeah. Like, the commitment to I the agree. city and the franchise, like, I think that is genuine. And that, in part because of the comments he made here today, in part because talking to people around the team, in part just interacting with Joel over the last, gosh, what's he been here, a decade almost now? I think he, you know, he said a couple things here. Uh, first, he said, I have the quotes here. He basically said that anytime, I feel like, uh, nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. Man, I also believe that it doesn't. audio you got uh, going here. Look, there. All right, I'm not going to be on my game every day. <laughs> he said, I also believe that it doesn't matter who's on my team. I'm always going to believe that I have a chance to win. So it's all up to me. I just got to go out there and try to do whatever it takes. I'm here in Philly. I love Philly. I've been here my whole career. It's all about winning a championship. If we were to win a championship, it would be for the city and the fans because they deserve it. We're not to mention the process and everything the fans went through. I think he believes that. Both parts. That as long as he's here, they have a chance to win. You know, and again, we can be uh, skeptical about that, but like he was a couple of made shots in game six away from that being a reality. A couple years back, you know, look, they've lost three game sevens. They've been close. They've never gotten over it. I understand skepticism, but they've been close. And also, I think he, he truly, you know, does believe that he wants to do it for the city. Like, I, I believe both parts of that quote. Yeah, and I just, Joel is a guy that I, I hate how much guys play up, like, the, the Kobe, like, Mamba mentality stuff all the time. I think it's contrived in a lot of cases. Joel, though, is a guy that looked up to him to some degree, and I do think that, there's some of that stubborn, just like, I don't, I, I won't accept or admit that maybe I'm beaten here. And sometimes right. like, not that it would help him if he came out at a press conference and said something like, oh yeah, we're screwed. We're going to lose to Dame. But I do think he sees part of his role as a leader to just be the brave guy out in front of the media saying, yeah, of course we have a chance because I'm here because he right. understands. Jump on my back, I'll carry. If you. he let's says go. that, or if he says the opposite, if you're somebody, let's say you're Jaden Springer or you're Paul Reed, and you're some of these up and coming guys that you're just trying to carve out your lane in the NBA, you don't know where your career is headed, and you know maybe what your best role on a, a very good team is. You hear the leader of the team come out and say yeah, I can't believe we didn't do anything this summer. And right. I don't think we have a chance. You're essentially just killing the team from the very start. And so this is, in many ways, it's the bare minimum he has to do right now because it's his role as the leader, in many ways, of the organization is to get everybody marching on that drum beat. Like, when it was Ben Simmons, it was kind of a, you know, screw Ben and you can rally behind that and it's an anger Right now, it's different because there's not that same level of animosity. So it seems like Joel understands, hey, guys, I got us. Like, as much as he's failed in the playoffs and all that, he did just win the MVP. And if 
you got the MVP, as Nick has said, as Joel certainly believes, then they're going to have a chance to win games. Now, that doesn't mean winning a title, but they can win a ton of games in the meantime. Yeah, and again, we would have said the same thing about Damian Lillard two years ago. Like, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people have a tipping point. I'm not saying... Never be concerned about Joel Embiid getting frustrated because I will always be concerned about Joel Embiid getting frustrated because that is catastrophic for the franchise. But I do believe right now that he he believes that. I do. Um, he also claimed that <laughs> he didn't work out in the gym all summer. Which he's done which a couple was, years now, yeah. at least twice. Yeah. I don't know why he does that. Like, people are going to know what you worked on almost your, your, instantly your when you Your trainer's constantly promoting it. Drew Hanlon loves telling everybody precisely what Joel has worked on. Nick Nurse was telling us, you know, Joel's been in the gym all summer yep. except for honey or I guess it was Daryl was except for his honeymoon and wedding. Joel was in the lab working on some things. We know some pieces of it that are already out there, right? I think uh Nick or Hanlon has said that Joel's worked on some stuff closer to the basket, a hook shot, things of that nature. Shots that maybe have not been his strengths in the past. And so he's trying to work on his weaknesses as he obviously has built up a ton of strengths over the last five years or so. But I don't know why he has to be so coy about it. Maybe he's just – it's like the the inverse Ben Simmons where we saw nothing but the, the shirtless Instagram videos and all – Look out for this guy. Chris Johnson posted a new video of what Ben's going to do this summer, and Joel chooses to go about it the other way, and then we see the lights come on in late October and see what the work has all been for. Better offseason. James Harden trade requests or caring about Ben Simmons' workout photos? Uh, James Harden trade requests. Yeah, I, I agree. Because, I mean, my stance on Ben has been made abundantly clear over time, and – even with the position they're in, I wrote it this morning, I still think right now the best thing for the team and for James is for James to come back. Now, I'm not saying – I don't believe that they're a real contender with this group with James Harden on the floor. Right. But they will be much, much better with James on the floor than just not having him with the team if they can get him to buy in. But that's a, a mighty big if from yeah. where we sit here. There is still a part of me that I am so convinced that Harden, even if he does come back, won't be here for the end of it anyway. And I also don't necessarily think there's much rehabilitating his trade value, at least that he can do on the court. Like maybe as time passes and other teams become more motivated to make deals, that might. But I don't. I don't. I just don't expect a motivated James Harden to come in here and reinvigorate his trade market. I just don't think it's going to happen. So there's certainly a part of me that's like, all right, well, screw it. Let him like just stay away. Let Tyrese Maxey get reps, put him in as many pick and rolls as he can, maybe try to develop a dribble handoff game with Joel Embiid and see what happens. But you're right. They're definitely a better basketball team if he comes back. Yeah. For sure. Well, so to that point with Maxey, obviously his he was, as always, just big smile on his face. He interrupted Joel Embiid's press availability. Well, I shouldn't say interrupted. He came in toward the end yep. of it to promote his own podcast. So... As a the podcast hustler myself now, I, I appreciate the ingenuity from Tyrese on Media Day. Got to get in where you fit in. But you know, one of the messages we heard from Nick during our time with him, certainly Tyrese brought it up, mm -hmm. is that it seems like they're just prepared to let him, I don't want to say fail, but work through right. the work things through that he, pains. work through his weaknesses. And yeah, working through his growing pains is probably a better way to put it. I think... There might be some pain early on in, in this season with Tyrese as a league guy, right? Like he's only he's only got so much in his bag when it comes to playmaking right now. And from the sound of things, he put in a decent amount of work this summer, reads out of middle pick and rolls, and you know, don't always look to finish. Sometimes it's gonna be a drop off or a kick to the corner or whatever it's going to be. There he spent a lot of time practicing that. But there's no way to replicate game speed, game reps, and real playmaking opportunities right. for a guard who, frankly, has just not been a lead ball handler for, as we said the other day, probably the last four years. And yeah. when he was, when he was asked to do that when Ben was out, 
it wasn't like the greatest thing in the world. It was a no. lot of Seth Curry taking over creation responsibilities. But I think it seems like they're cautiously optimistic and excited about the chance they have. And Nick sounds like he's more than willing to say, I don't care if you screw up. I'll live with some turnovers and mistakes and misreads yep. as long as you're willing to, you know, put the work in and, and show that you're about the right things. No, and in that conversation we had with Nick Nurse, he mentioned pretty much the exact same thing about Paul Reed and shooting from the perimeter. Like, we will let him shoot, even if he's missing, like, keep shooting. I think the same thing applies to Maxi, like you said. Uh, they're going to let him work through his growing pains, see what he can develop uh, chemistry-wise with Embiid, with the, you know, maybe outlet passes he has, uh, kickout passes he has. And that's, I mean, we've been talking about it for the past three weeks. Like, that's that's huge if that can uh, if that can work out. So we have Ronald in the comments says that he's concerned that Maxie's now wor more worried about social media and the podcast and his game. Ronald, let me assure you. It's not that good. That is definitely not the case. Like, if there is anything I know about Tyrese from talking to him, working with him, certainly speaking to the people around the team. Also, it's just not that glamorous. Like he's not <laughs> chasing not anything that, that glamorous. glamorous. He doesn't podcast enough that it's uh, taken away from his life the way it does for no. Derek and I got to make some real sacrifices to be here with you guys. I think for Tyrese, it's more of a, hey, this is a fun side project and you know, it's something else he does. But no, let me be abundantly clear. This was a funny moment at the end of media day. Tyrese, in terms of his commitment to the game, his work ethic, his you know, his understanding with the people he works with, trainers, teammates, coaches, et cetera, what he needs to get better at. Like I historically Tyrese has worked with Chris Johnson, who's a mm -hmm. big trainer for a lot of the clutch guys. And there were some videos from uh, Chris this summer of Tyrese. Tyrese also spent time with Drew Hanlon and Joel Embiid out in LA. I know there was some workouts out in Texas where Tyrese is from. Like he got all around the country just to get with people to try to improve his game. So I do. I would. It would be hard to find a hobby I could think of for Tyrese that I think would eat into his basketball desire and to improve. I, I don't think that hobby exists. I do always get a kick when like someone is seen working out with a trainer, like. Oh no! Don't go work out with Hanlon because look what happened to Markel. Well, he also trained Joel Embiid, and that turned out okay. Or like people and getting Jason angry Tatum at Chris Johnson. And, yeah, well, he also helped develop Tyrese Maxey. Like a lot of times, all the time, it comes down to the person he's working with. The pupil is much more yes. important than the teacher. Now, that's not to say that the teacher is not important, and certainly, look, different guys. That actually, great example. Hakeem Olajuwon is notorious for. He now, people found out he charges like 50K a session to work on guys for their post game, which what a racket, man. That's what a great work if you can get it. And a lot of guys have worked with him and taken nothing away. But if you remember, Derek, when LeBron came off of that horrific finals loss to Dallas the first season in Miami, that summer he went and worked with Hakeem Olajuwon and he came back and it was like, oh, my God, mid-post LeBron showed up and there was just nothing teams could do with him at that point. And so most of this comes down to who the guy is, not who the person yep. is giving them instruction. 100%. We're going to, um, after we come back from our next ad break, we'll finish up this conversation. We'll have some time for some questions. So if you have some questions, please do leave, us, leave, them, leave them in the chat uh, and we will get to as many as we can before Kyle and I start making our way to the airport to get out to a good old Fort Collins. Yeah, buddy. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our good friends at the Game Time app. I know a lot of you, well, maybe some of you, I don't know how much crossover there is with the Phillies fan base, normally a lot. A lot of you are going to be trying to get to some Phillies playoff games coming soon. Eagles games are already a hot ticket. They're 4-0 and people are still mad. It's, you know, what a phenomenon that is. But Buying tickets to those events shouldn't be stressful, and game time's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of those games, but also concerts, comedy, and theater near you. you know, there are flash deals and last-minute tickets basically all the time, and you don't have to plan months in advance because game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, 
everything else that you can think of. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. I think that's pretty dang good. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Who else was a ray of sunshine other than Tyrese Maxey today, Derek? I actually. I mean, Paul Reed always is. Yeah. Tried to speak had, a little Spanish there. We had uh, Paul Reed showing off his Rosetta Stone yeah. or Duolingo, yeah. whatever he's been working on over the summer. I, as a failed Duolingo student myself, who I was teaching myself French 2020. Okay. Because, you know, we're all stuck inside and sure. couldn't really do a whole lot socially. We had my now then girlfriend, now wife. We had plans to maybe go to France, and I had taken French years and years and years ago. I was like, let me brush up on it. And then we went to Spain, and I was completely useless. I just know how to say cerveza grande, por favor, and that's basically, that'll carry you through about 50% of the yeah. trip. No, I had the exact <laughs> inverse, because I, I took Spanish in college. Yeah. Um, so I went over to, uh, we, we had a, a three-stop trip where we went to London. All right, we got that one down pat. Like, learn the fish and chip stuff, but other than that, like, yeah. pretty easy. Uh, and then we went to Paris and Rome. And I thought, great, like, at least my background in Spanish will help me. Oh, it didn't help me at all in French. Not at all. Well, Gavin said he's willing to teach me Korean. Gavin, if you had ever heard me speak Spanish or French, I think I am past the point where I'm going to learn a completely new language that I've never studied before. <laughs> but we'll see if I ever have to take you up on that offer. If there's ever a korean ad read we need to do then uh i'll circle back with you uh so one of the other things i wanted to spotlight real quick uh, Jaden springer's name came up in the the comments at some point here mm -hmm. and he was talking about nick nurse's involvement at summer league and he said that he came away really impressed and you know he was like even more fired up for the season to begin because Nick had been so involved with the summer league team between the practices. He's coached, I think it was at least one of the games in Utah, right? right. Maybe, yep. maybe two. I don't know if I'm misremembering that. But Jaden felt like there was a level of hands-on with Nick instilling the team's principles. He's certainly been working with you know guys like Paul Reed, uh, Ricky Council, one of their two-way players. He's been personally involved with trying to work on improving his jump shot. And so I think that's probably another positive takeaway from today is that, look, we can all sit here and say, yeah, it's a good thing to get Nick Nurse in here, accomplished coach, somebody who's inventive, someone who might handle this differently than a Doc Rivers does and has. But now we're actually seeing that and we're hearing that from the players. Like they're volunteering hey, this has been different. Like, I'm, I'm getting something I wasn't getting before. And, you know, maybe that's just first off season, new coach yeah. comes in. I, don't, I wouldn't expect that Nick Nurse is going to I personally be... expected the Pius Harris to just trash Nick Nurse. <laughs> just rip I was, I'm not expecting Nick Nurse to run Summer League basically every single year that he's here. But I do think it, it gets him off on a good foot with some of these younger guys that, frankly, now that Harden is probably not going to play or, or just not going to show up for a while. There's a big opportunity for one, maybe even two of these guys to step up and establish real roles in the rotation. Yeah. There was a, a question from, from Ernest. Uh, basically, a couple of people mentioned ball movement and Nick Nurse offense. Do you think there is an implication that there wasn't being coached before or is it just excitement for Nurse's unique version? Uh, this sort of builds off of what we were just talking about. I think it's a combination of both. I also would say I don't think the Toronto Raptors they didn't over the, the last few no. years were no, the pinnacle didn't. of movement. And so a lot of this is going to come down to, one, just buy-in, right? Like anybody in theory can move on a bat. You don't have to be a guard or a wing or like anyone can try hard and get the spots. And you might get there at different speeds, but if you commit to it, if, if it's a team principle that's saying we're going to cut a lot, there's going to be a lot of off-ball movement, 
but that just takes you buying into it. Yep. And so Toronto certainly was not that sort of team in recent years, but part of that is because teams just dared them to shoot. Teams yep. were not scared of them from the perimeter at all. And so defenses could bunker down and clog the middle of the floor. Well, what are you moving into? You're just running into bodies in the middle of the floor. So some of that is going to depend on what are the lineups that Nick throws out there, right? And Paul Reed shooting and his ability to play in ultra big lineups has been a big point of conversation throughout the offseason. So I will be interested to see just how good the movement is when they play the yeah. uh, the bully ball Joel Paul lineups or Mo Bamba and Paul Reed together. But yeah, I mean, I can believe that they want to do that, whether they actually do. And I'm is sure an informal pickup in September, they probably were. The defense ramps up a little bit when we start playing basketball for real. Um, no, I think like even going back to, let's say, Doc, like when Doc was with the Clippers, they ran a lot of pick and roll. They certainly ran J.J. Redick off of screens. You use an on-off-ball movement. You use the pieces you have. You know, I don't think Nick Nurse is going to come in here and completely change. There might be marginal changes, but, like, you're working with the players that you have. Um, I hope to see drastic changes. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to see, you know, a complete alteration. Uh, let's see. I mean, this goes back to sort of what we were talking about yesterday with the uh, – you know, with the Drew Holiday reaction pod, which if you haven't seen that, go uh, go check it out. It's up on your, you know, podcast feed. It's up on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell notification so you get notifications when we post. I wasn't even going to harass we're gonna, you about we're gonna it We're going to have today. a lot of stuff up there um, for, for Media Day on that. But this one from Tien, am I crazy thinking the Sixers are somewhat better of a matchup against Celtics after this season? Or after this offseason, I mean. So... We did get into this some on our quick reaction pod. To me, the Celtics ceiling has gone up. I think that this is just a straight up better, let's say top six yep. than they had before. What it rests on is whether one or both of Porzingis and honestly, more importantly, Horford stay healthy. I think Horford has generally been pretty durable for most of his career he's had outside some, of his gap year yeah he's had some blips in there Porzingis has not been like in the way he's built and he's had some lower body injuries he's missed a lot of time over the years and if one of those guys gets hurt and misses any kind of time or you know god forbid for them gets hurt in the playoffs they're in big trouble like they Luke Cornett having to play major minutes in the playoff series is not good now Maybe because they are so loaded at this point, the Celtics can lure somebody around the deadline or later in the year. I know that the NBA is suppressing the ability of uh, tax teams to get buyout guys. So, you know, it's, it'll be a little harder to load mm -hmm. up in that way later in the season. In theory, though, you know, if Joel can finally beat up on Al Horford when it matters in a playoff series, then yeah. I don't think that Porzingis is uh, holding up in any kind of matchup with Joel. He might stretch him out a little bit, and that would be my concern is that you can basically play 48 minutes of stretch basketball with Horford and Porzingis out there. Yep. It's just what are you giving up defensively? I wouldn't worry if I'm Boston in terms of guarding Giannis. I think Horford has historically done a pretty good job on that, so the Milwaukee part, whatever. Joel, again, we saw some great moments from him in the middle of that Boston series, even when he was unhealthy. But having a Romer shot blocker type, and I think Porzingis might not be Rob Williams at this point defensively, but certainly has plenty of length and a bit of athleticism to offer behind Horford. They're going to be able to do pretty similar game plan as in the past. So it, it's kind of up to Joel to prove that he can solve it. Yeah, and to your point, like they were – they, on the one hand, had terrific depth because, like, six and seven were as good as any team in the league, and then it fell off a cliff very quickly. Yeah. And now they're six players deep, and one of those players is pretty injury prone. So, certainly, like, I, th I think the higher ceiling, lower floor uh, applies here. A lot of it's going to come down to do they actually stay healthy. If they do, I think they're a better, better overall team, but that's a that's a significant if like there's some some volatility there in their their season i do think 
like they would swallow if James Harden came back, they would just swallow him up defensively. Like I don't see that being a good matchup for James Harden. Not that it was last year, but it, I was going to say I didn't think it was last year. And, and he had he two monster games, a couple huge games, and the other five games. Yeah. Uh, I also think it would be a tough series for Tyrese Maxey, but certainly if Joel Embiid can solve that Al Horford riddle, which I truthfully, one of my first impressions of Joel Embiid on the basketball court was, holy freaking hell, he makes Al Horford look tiny. And then he struggled with them for the first couple of years of his career. Uh, but assuming that, then, look, I'm not saying they're a better matchup, but there's some volatility there for sure. No, I feel better about the Milwaukee matchup for reasons that you we got into last week where... I think Dame defensively is someone you can just outright pick on in a big moment. Now they have good cover behind him. And the offensive pairing between Dame and Giannis is going to be great. I don't see weak links on that Boston team at this point. You might be able to get some mismatches in a mid-post type situation and what have you. But when you're bringing a guy like Derek White off the bench as a, a sixth man rather than – I mean, he would have been – perfectly fine as a starter for yep. them and that would have been a good starting five to now make it where drew holiday is your starter and you can play him and Derek white in bench lineups and you can throw out these all switching yep. i mean white holiday brown tatum horford, horford yep. five that's a really dangerous playoff lineup so yep. look it's a real uphill battle the sixers have to face right now but if we're getting into the depth for all these teams I would say, generally speaking, depth is important, but often overrated. I mean, a lot of these teams that have won in recent years, Giannis's Bucks in 2021, they had like seven playable guys. The Nuggets last season probably had seven, maybe seven and a half playable guys. What mattered was they had the best player in the playoffs who stood out when they needed to. And they were able to win games in different ways. And that's really like it's basketball is a very simple game in that way. Right. There are all these moving pieces and the coach sets things up and we all yell about rotations and this guy. And why didn't they make this trade? If your best players are better than the other team's best players, your eighth and ninth man are absolutely irrelevant. Nobody cares. Most of these teams are playing a max of eight guys in the later rounds regardless so it's important to get you through 82 games and set you up with seeding and matchups and whatever but ultimately the Boston Celtics beat the Sixers because Jason Tatum kicked their ass in game seven and he was the best player on the floor we do get caught up in oh the rotations like if if any coach just had the right rotations and your ninth best player would be consistent no if they were consistent they wouldn't be your ninth best player Correct. probably on a minimum contract yeah we get we get well, caught up like, in that look sure. we can blame all kinds of people for the Atlanta loss for example Ben Simmons didn't want to shoot the ball and Joel wasn't good enough in crunch and seven time turnovers in, in the that's, one game that's what yep. I mean you you can't win that being said Doc hurt him. Doc hurt oh, in that yeah, series for listen, sure. I'm not absolving I'm mostly Doc for a, that. Yeah. A, we overstate the coach's impact. That was one series where he definitely came up short. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. All right. One quick word from Foco, and then we'll finish up with a couple more questions. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports. We are now squarely in football and tailgating season, which means it's time for overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. And when you don't do the thing now, it completely throws me off. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Sorry, I was trying to no, not be Van, and I didn't make you like and subscribe. Honestly, like, the joke has gotten old. Like it, it's a bit that probably <laughs> should go away, but like it throws me off. Yeah, I got to keep it. Look, I see you and talk to you essentially every day now. I got to, I got to keep you on your toes. It really there. is amazing. Can't, can't so much you. Kyle Newbeck. This one from Brandon. <laughs> Say that v. like it's a bad thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not casting any like that. The listeners can figure that one out. This one from Brandon B, which really gets the heart of the matter. Is it better to trade Harden for bench players now or hold on to him until the trade deadline? Well, who are the bench? Who are the? Whoa, I just hit our microphone. 
who are the bench players? I'm sure that sounded fantastic <laughs> on the audio feed. Who are the bench players you're getting? That's the thing. Like, the whole problem for me right now is that the Clippers are drawing the line at Terrence Mann. And I like, <laughs> I like Terrence Mann. I think he's a good player. I think he would make the Sixers better than having James Harden not playing because he would simply suit up for the team and offer what he has to offer. But Terrence Mann is a guy who started like 30% of the games he's right. ever played in. And on his in his best season, I think averaged like 11 points a game. Now, look, he's not an offense first or offense only player. He's a two-way guy. And that would be your hope, I think. If you're trading for role players or bench guys, as it was phrased in the question, you're hoping that you're going to create a more well-rounded team, that it's you're going from Harden, who is you know, sort of an offensive powerhouse, but we all know what the book is on him defensively. You would hope that maybe that turns into, all right, we might get three guys who are all in on both ends of the floor. But all in on both ends of the floor often means the guy can defend, but he's a streaky outside shooter. Right. And so to me... I think the clear best thing for the Sixers to do right now is just wait. Because if we all accept, and I think most of the people who listen and watch the shows agree on this, that the Sixers are not a real contender right now and their paths to being one are slim, it costs them nothing except maybe pissing Joel off to just let this ride out yeah. for a little bit, right? It, if the difference is between trading James for scraps right now or trading James for scraps later, you at least later have a you chance, have a chance yeah. for that to change. You absolutely don't make a panic trade now. You might like you might turn it into another James Harden like they did in the past. I doubt it, but it, there's at least a chance instead of cashing that in and saying, oh boy, we got Marcus Morris and God bless him, Robert Covington. Yeah. No, 100%. Hold on to him. Um, maybe tell him to, like, go away. Maybe he goes away willingly. Maybe he comes back and, and is a pain in the ass, and then we can reevaluate it. But right now, no, you don't. Like, role, role players for what? So they can roll the player their way into a second-round exit? Like, who, who cares about that? Uh, I think that one's pretty easy. I think this one here from, from Ernest... Other than the Clippers, do you have any guess on what teams could be interested in Harden? And, and he has a second one. Do you think Tobias is going to be here for his final season of his contract? So the only other team that I think has been credibly linked to Harden was the Knicks. So that's one other team in the span of what? July, August, September. Three months. It's been going on. Three I, months I, and I counting. verified it with my fingers. Look at that. You yeah. can count. I'm about to recite the line from Happy Gilmore, but... Uh, yeah, if the Knicks have been the only team cited, and here's the problem with them as a potential suit. One, I just I don't really get that as a fit. Him and Bronson is sort of a weird pairing in the backcourt. More importantly, aren't they just hoping for Joel Embiid to ask out at this point? And why would they be getting in the James Harden business right. when there's a much higher upside with have you like, heard that Leon Rose was previously Joel yeah, Embiid's agent? That, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there have been semi-credible whispers you know, out there. players always want to go play for their former agents. Look, it's we can make fun of the Knicks and the Leon Rose angle. But oh, no, they I, have like a million draft picks. Yeah, they, could they theoretically, have a ton of but capital. It's, it's because they have draft assets to trade, not because Leon Rose made Joel Embiid some money. Yeah, so I would say... Because they're the only other suitor, I don't really believe in them. So right now, to answer Ernest's question, I think this is still Clippers or bust at this point. If there was any legitimate talks, Daryl Morey would have leaked that to the national media like <laughs> this. Are you kidding me? He wants other teams to at least believe that there's a strong market for James Harden. Of course. And that is scary. Because <laughs> if James Harden comes in here... Or if A, if he doesn't come in here, or B, if he comes in here and he's a pain in the ass, it's not like teams are going to go, oh, that's the guy we need to trade for. Again, it might change because, like, maybe someone gets hurt or maybe someone right now who doesn't think they're a contender, you know, 
could play better and think, man, if we just had one more piece, we could make a legitimate run. Maybe maybe something weird happens, or maybe just that one team that we've been talking about all summer, something happens to make them go all in. But there is definitely not, at least from the outside, it does not seem like it's a very wide market for them right now at all. In fact, it's the narrowest of narrow markets you will see for a guy who's one of the 75 best players of all time and just put up 20 and 12. Look, and on paper, he fits with a lot of teams and could make teams better. But I wrote about this this morning. I think people forget that this is not James Harden's complete history is not just, oh, he's made trade requests and has forced his way out of places. He has also had multiple examples of him butting heads with prominent and or star players on his teams. Like there have been... There were reports out there that when Chris Paul was in Houston, they went like months without speaking to each other the final year that they played together. Dwight Howard and him were oil and water to some degree in Houston. Now, look, Dwight was kind of a pain in the ass for a lot of people and matured toward the end of his career and was a little bit more agreeable. As the, uh, I, I enjoyed the Dwight Howard experience. <laughs> I personally did, but I didn't have to be with him every day. Well, and so. also we didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy him in the playoffs so much when they were trying to yeah. play Ben. And, and speaking of coaching decisions mattering, Ben and Dwight, everyone knew that one wasn't going to work oh, in yeah. the playoffs. But in the regular season, he was entertaining. He would entertain yeah. me. He'd amuse me. But so I understand yeah. some of it, but I mean, Zach Lowe reported that there were people in Houston who believed that Dwight was intentionally whiffing screens for Harden because their relationship had gotten that bad. So his history as a teammate is not just, oh, guys like him, but he's requested these trades. Like he certainly has had moments in the past where he's been yeah. a, a negative force as a leader on the team. And so that's those are things that other teams are aware of. Those are reasons that they would say – look, this guy's 34 years old and he is just not worth the level of headache that he offers at this point. So I am not shocked that there's not a huge market for him right now. Now, that being said, all it takes is one, yep. one injury, one bad start, one nervous owner, one GM who thinks, oh, my job might disappear at the end of this season if this group doesn't turn it around to say, hey, we'll offer you X, Y, Z for James Harden that wasn't on the table on October 2nd. The question is going to be, is James Harden at all interested in playing for one of those teams? And, you know, we'll only find that out once anyone else shows interest in him. Yep, I agree. All right, I think, uh, I think that is probably a good enough place here to cut it off. We both have some stuff to do before we take off for Fort Collins. Thank you, Kyle, for jumping on, and I will talk to you every freaking day this week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys from Colorado. We'll be on the road remote for the rest of the week, so the... The studio, so to speak, will just be wherever we can set up shop out by Colorado State. But uh, looking forward to it, and I'll catch you guys soon. Hit that thumbs up and the subscribe button on your way out.